Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Soft, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us each week as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Daryl. And we are back for another episode of Inside Inside Sales. How are you doing, folks? My name is Daryl Prell. I'm with Vanilla Soft. And I'll be honest with you, folks, I am excited to be here because today's conversation is not only, shall we say, relevant. They are always relevant, right? But I mean, this one is like, really relevant, and I'll explain why in a second. But I'm also tired. The last couple of weeks, I've been bringing my trade show season to the end. Last week alone, I was in Seattle. I was in Denver. I was in Philly. I was all over the place this week. I was, uh, where was I this week? Oh, my goodness. I was in Chicago. That's where I was at. And I was on a panel last night through uh, locally, thank goodness, for the uh, American Association of Inside Sales Professionals. So it's been nuts. I slept on the airport floor this week. It was great. The towel floor, put my suit jacket over top, keep myself warm. Uh, the life of a road warrior sounds glamorous. Trust me, it's not. Just want to put that out there. That is my problem, not yours. What I do want to talk about, though, is what we're talking about today, because I said that it was this was an exciting topic I was looking forward to. Why? Good question. I've had this conversation multiple times in all of those stops whether I'm talking at an AISP event, a Modern Sales Pros event, or whatever, the question always kind of comes up, how do you have better prospecting? Now, what are your tips and tricks? And last night when I was on the panel, I kind of spoke up and I said, well, there's to me, there's three aspects. There's uh, what I call customization, dedication, and, and research. What's relevant for today's podcast is the conversation around customization. So customization is unique, right? We get all these emails, we get all these pieces of, uh, I guess, content, collateral, call it what you will, that are blatant templates. They're just obvious templates. And, and in fact, it's so bad that uh, I'm going to be on a webinar on the next little bit called, uh, you know, it's basically enough with the shitty emails. Not making this up. I got Jack Kosakowski joining me on this one. And we have a collection of shitty emails that we're going to go through and dissect. The common theme on every single one of those is that the sales professional has not taken the time to customize it to, for their recipient. Now, that doesn't mean you go and spend 20 minutes on each one researching the recipient, hence my customization, dedication, and research. That doesn't mean that at all, but it does mean you should be able to quickly customize it. So clearly, that's not happening. It's a lost skill. So if you're doing that, already you're feeling pretty confident, you're getting great results, then please save yourself some time, tune out right now, and go do something more productive. But if you're still here, and I know you are still here, that's because you know you could do it better or you're not doing it at all. And you may have excuses. I don't have time. I have activity numbers to hit. I have all these amazing things I need to do that are precluding me from doing that. But the reality of it all is this. How do you measure your success? If you measure it by getting appointments, converting deals, starting conversations, adding it to the pipeline, I don't care how you measure it. But to me, I would much rather measure on those outcomes than I would on just simply activity numbers because the outcomes are all that matter at the end of the day. Then we need to talk about customization. And to make that happen, I am going to bring in a ringer. 
Not only is he a ringer, he's got a whole system in place. If you don't know him, his name is Jason Bay. He's the chief revenue officer at blissfulprospecting.com. Check them out. Follow him on LinkedIn. And uh, and Jason is he's prolific. I, I, I say that often, but he is. But what I love about Jason was a couple things. When we were talking about this, uh, he actually somewhat pursued me. And the messaging was very customized. He actually followed his own mantra. And then ironically, part of that was having other podcasters rave about Jason and again, how he did the same thing. So I will tell you, full full disclosure, Jason closed this deal to be on this podcast, not just because of his reputation and his capabilities, but because he actually does what he preaches. So today, Jason and I are talking about how you can make your outbound messaging kick butt. Jason, welcome to the show, my friend. What's going on? I'm excited for this, man. That was one heck of an intro. I'm really looking forward to that webinar, by the way. It's a pretty good yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I'm looking forward too. I think every office is the same. You, sometimes you just got to share emails with, with your colleagues and your peers. And I know my yep. CEO and I do this on a regular basis and often my VP of sales too. And what's amazing too, and people don't realize this, is if you do have an interesting value prop or your correspondence is really, really lame, we share with each other and we quickly ascertain that you've sent the exact same one to each of us with no personalization whatsoever. So that just makes you look even better. We do talk amongst ourselves. That's quite common in most organizations. But when we get them, here's the funny part. Similarly, when we get outreach that comes to me and my head of sales and my CEO, but they're different, we actually go, whoa. And we stop and we go, okay, who is this cat? And, and then we actually drill down on, on, you know, what's their value prop? Because all of a sudden they've got our attention. Clearly they know what they're doing. So it, it's not just my reaction when I get something, but it's also about it's the collective reaction because often these things are in fact being shared amongst your colleagues. Something to think about. Now, Jason, set the stage for me. You've got an acronym. It is not a TLA. It's not a three-letter acronym. It is a five-letter acronym. And I'll let you share that with us shortly on how you approach this topic. But I want to kind of back up a little bit. What was the catalyst for blissful prospecting to generate this approach in the first place? So I left a corporate job at the end of 2013 to do consulting. So I was doing sales and marketing for a company that sold business to consumer, a large residential construction company. So I wanted to do digital marketing and, and sales consulting for other companies. So I had to learn how to do outbound because before I could kind of do the door to door thing and the cold calling thing. But in terms of outbound, I didn't really know where to start. And I was one of those people that did exactly what you talked about just now, <laughs> right? I was like, oh, yeah, I read Predictable Revenue. And I'm like, oh, so it's as easy as just sending a bunch of cold emails to people. Awesome. So I got on LinkedIn Sales Navigator, pulled a big list, started sending emails out. And it just didn't work at all. And actually, I had a lot of negative feedback. People telling me that I need to take more time to research them and that we're not interested and telling me to F off and all that other stuff. So when we started Blissful Prospecting, the reason for that was when I actually figured out how to do outbound, a lot of the companies that I was prospecting to were like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a cool email. Could you maybe do that for us? And when we started doing the prospecting for clients, we started running into a couple challenges. One, they didn't really know very much about their prospects. And two, it took forever to write these custom email sequences every single time. So what we really started to look at were, hey, what are the patterns? Like, what are the things that an outbound cadence, you know, whether that be email, you know, calls, et cetera, like, what does that need? 
And how can we package this up and create a framework to where we can take the same approach and still customize it every time? In the course of creating that, I'm assuming there was a, a period of time that you went through where you kind of had to refine it. In other words, you say, oh, this approach isn't quite right, or that approach isn't quite right. Because like you said, when you started doing it yourself, you started having much better success. But that was kind of what was in Jason's head versus a process that you can formalize and teach to your crew there. And especially you know, new hires as you onboard them uh, so that they were representing your processes, your brand, your methodology correctly. So how long did it take you to kind of refine that process and nail it down such that it, that knowledge was transferable to your employees? Probably took the latter part of like a year uh, to really come up with, well, what is necessary in this? And when you start teaching it, and trying to get other people to do it. That's where you start seeing gaps, right? I actually learned the most from doing like one-on-one -on -one training with individual reps. And that's where I noticed that the empathy piece was really, really missing because they had never really done the job of the person they were reaching out to. It was, I don't know, sort of intuitive to me being a salesperson now for about 12 years. It's my entire professional experience is, is in sales. I always wanted to think about like, well, hey, why would the prospect want to buy? And thinking from their perspective. And that's what I realized that most people weren't thinking about. <laughs> you know, so the the prospecting, the language was always, I want to meet with you. I want to sell this thing to you. Our product, our service does this and nothing about who they're actually reaching out to. So that was probably the biggest piece actually that was missing in the approach for the longest time that we didn't really pick up. And so we started actually training instead of doing the prospecting for people, actually training individual reps on how to do it. It's funny you say that because when I was on this panel last night, there was another question that was asked. And I think it was something along the lines of winning attributes of a sales rep or the top three, whatever, right? So each of us in the panel had a few variations. But one of the ones I brought up, and I was the only one to bring it up, was empathy. It was exactly that. It was like, you know, guys, you have to realize you're not selling, you're solving. And for you to solve, you need to understand pain, the challenges, the world that your prospect is living in. So if you don't know who your prospect is, and I'm not talking about the individual, I'm not, I'm not talking about John Doe, who John Doe is. I'm talking about the assumption is you're targeting a list. That list is probably in a certain industry. It's probably a certain size, probably targeting a certain a persona or an individual at the head of marketing, head of sales, whatever in that organization. So based on all those parameters and attributes, what is their life generally like, stereotypically like? And how does that make them feel? And what are the challenges? And, you know, how do they react when they go and talk to their colleagues or talk to their bosses about how they're performing or, or underperforming? Where are the external pressures coming in from competitors or the economy or the industry or technology innovations that's changing the way they do things? If you don't understand all that and you can't get yourself in their shoes, you are destined to fail. And empathy, I think, is huge. So I love that you actually have that and you call that out. All right, so let's kind of get into the, the meat and potatoes. But before we do that, we're going to go for a commercial break. Don't go nowhere. We shall be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? 
by ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. And we are back. Jason, talk to me, my friend. You promised me a five-letter acronym that would change my world and make me customize the bejesus out of all my email correspondence <laughs> such that I am in a sales rep rock star. So let's start. Talk to me about your acronym. Spell it out for me, and then we'll walk through it step by step. So the reply method is – so essentially what, what we're going to start going through here, the, the R is for results, the E is for empathy, the P is for personalization, the L is for laser focus, and the Y is for you. When you're constructing your outbound messaging – the most important thing, and you sort of mentioned this earlier, and we're talking about empathy, is you need to be really dialed in with the persona that you're reaching out to. On the results end of things, you got to really think about the person that I'm reaching out to, what do they care about? And it typically falls into one of two categories. I really like Skip Miller's approach um, in a, uh, Above and Below the Line Selling, I think his book is called, where you take the persona and you look at the above the line. So if you, you know, visualize a horizontal line where the decision is made... Typically in you know, B2B, it's a, a committee, right? People come together to make decisions. So the VPs and the C-levels fit into that above the line persona. And these people are typically very you know, strategic in nature. And they're thinking about revenue, profit, how to reduce risk, like really higher level things typically. The below the line personas, the reason why those are still useful to reach out to, you know, your directors and, and sometimes managers, depending on what you're selling, is that these people oftentimes might be feeling the most amount of pain that your product can help them with. And they might have just as much influence on whether the decision to use your product or service, getting the green light on that. The reason why you want to separate these two is that these below-the-line personas are, are typically very tactical. So for example, I mean, we could look at VanillaSoft just because I'm very familiar with like sales engagement platforms and you know, we help companies with prospecting. Like a VP of sales... I mean, they have a lot different, like their day to day looks a lot different than like a sales manager, right? That might be implementing and using some of the software to coach and like work with the reps. So the things that the VP of sales cares about is probably like, hey, are, are we hitting our quotas, right? Are we hitting our revenue targets? Are we on track to hit our targets three, six, nine months from now versus your sales manager of your director of sales might be like on the sales floor, actually working with the individual rep and they might care more about really tactical type of things like, hey, is this going to help my reps spend more time talking to their ideal clients? Is this going to increase their open rates on their emails and the reply rates so they can set more appointments? That first part, the results, you really got to figure out to this persona, what is the most important thing to them? And what do they actually care about? And that's what you got to start with. And that's typically a value prop statement. For example, like with us, if we're helping people with prospecting, that might sound something like, yeah, hey, we help B2B sales teams increase the time they spend in front of their ideal customers by two to three times. That's something that would be very appealing for a director of sales or like a sales manager that we might want to work with and like work with their sales team, for example. I mean, that's appealing to me as soon as you said that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a C-suite because I want my team being two to three times more productive. In fact, that's a conversation we had last night on the panel. I, I kind of said, how many people here are working in rooms that are dead quiet? 
and like lots of hands go up. I'm like, well, you know, why? You know, there should be some an element of productivity. That's what that says to me. There's not enough productivity, not enough conversations taking place. So that value prop alone just got my attention, which which is remarkable because it's such a simple value prop. It's such a really ass simple prop. I can't get over how simple it is. Yet no one's ever said it to me that way. Just I can increase it by two to three times. Boom. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me. You got my yeah. attention. I'm cynical, but I'll listen. That first part, the results, really, you went from like internally, if you if you imagine yourself reading an email, you went from, hey, what's in this for me to this looks interesting, right? Bingo. Yeah. And, so, so, and I'm, and I'm going to read on. Exactly. The reason why the second piece, the empathy piece is really important is that value prop alone. There's nothing about that that really triggers you in an emotional way, correct? No, not an emotional. No. They're like, hey, that sounds cool. That sounds really awesome. I'm yeah, interested. I'm interested. And that would make my life a hell of a lot better. But I'm not, my heart's not beating a flutter going, I'm in love with this individual. Although I'm so, sure you're a wonderful person, just, you know, on a sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> so the empathy piece, the reason why this is really important is that people really connect on emotional level with people. It's not the logical things about someone's product or service that really makes the prospect connect with that. So I want to give you an example. So when we talk about challenges that our prospects are having, they tend to be and it's funny, you guys are vanilla soft, and I'm going to use the word vanilla. You they go tend for to be it, very, <laughs> very vanilla. Yes. They tend to be very vanilla and that like, oh, um, so let's look at VPs of sales as an example. Oh, VPs of sales are are having challenges hitting their revenue targets. That's like not a very sticky challenge. Like that doesn't really resonate with them. They're like, okay, cool. Like if someone isn't hitting the revenue targets, like, okay, well, all right. It's, and You're not really there with rain is wet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. And you really need to get the prospect to empathize with you and really think internally, like, ah, this person's speaking my language. So you actually gave me some really good insight just now when you said that uh, people were having challenges with quiet sales floors. So what this might sound like in an email. So you have your value prop. What you're going to connect to that value prop is the challenge. And I typically insert this, the sentence right before the value prop. So it might sound something like this. Hey, Daryl, a lot of VPs of sales are telling us that one of the big challenges that they have is when they go into the sales floor in the middle of the afternoon, they're not really hearing a lot of activity. So I wasn't sure if that was a challenge that you're having right now. But if you are, we actually help B2B sales teams increase the time they spend in front of their ideal customers by two to three times so that when you go into that call center floor, you hear a nice light buzz or ring. That's the way that we're going to hook through a sticky challenge, like a specific instance. And there's a whole framework that we might not have time to dig into there, but really it's about this challenge. How does this come up in the person you're reaching out to? How does it come up in their day? What's the specific instance? How do they talk about it? And if you can find that exact thing that they go through a situation in their words and how they describe it, it's really going to make that value prop more sticky. So then where does the personalization come in? So now you're looking at, hey, I have a solid challenge here. I've connected with a value prop. Now I need to personalize this uh, email because every statistic, I'm sure you guys have lots of studies on it. A lot of other sales engagement platforms have looked at all of this data too. And the sweet spot that I see is about 20% of the email being personalized. That could be the first couple sentences. If you're, again, we'll use a VP of sales as an example the first thing I'm going to look at is if a person is VP or C-level type person uh, that's in sales, they might be writing content. So I'm going to look at this person's LinkedIn profile. I'm going to look and see if they're writing any content, publishing anything. Do they have a podcast, a blog? Like That's a really easy one to go for right there that you can find in a couple of minutes. 
The other thing too that you can look for is a lot of the data around personalization shows that if you can find a personal connection with someone, that can be really more effective than finding like a blog post or something like that that they've written. Again, open up their LinkedIn profile. Is there anything you find in common? Do do you guys from the same area? Did you go to the same school? Do you guys have a similar background? Did they work at a company that maybe you guys have worked with in the past or that someone that you know worked? Do you have a mutual connection? There's all kinds of things that you can look for there. But it's the first two sentences in the email. Then you got your challenge. And then it's connected to a value prop. All right. So we've got R's for results. I love that. You, you know, especially your example of above the line, below the line. So you know your, your audience, your persona. You have E's for empathy. So you're connecting with them, the challenges they face. P's for personalization. So you're actually identifying something they've said or done or positioned or put out there and using it to establish an emotional or relational bond between you and the recipient. I'm digging this so far. And this is, and, and understand guys, this is not just an acronym, right? This is Jason's writing his email and this is the order that he's writing his email in. So he's got the R, the E, the P. All right. So what's the L? So the L is for laser focus. And the reason why I had to put this in is that one of the things that we do is like if someone just wants us to break down a cold email, they can just send it over to us and I'll spend an hour with them on the phone going through it. And 99% of the time, what I see is the emails are just way too long. I mean, I'm talking like two, 300 words and it's just crazy. It's so long that when you look at it, your eyes kind of go blurry <laughs> for a second, right? Because you don't want to read it. And we've sent out, I want to say for our clients, seven or 800,000 emails at this point. Everything that we've seen has been around reply rates are the strongest when it's between three and five sentences long or less than 120 words. So there's a couple ways that you can do this too is if you send the email to yourself and then read it on your phone, you shouldn't really have to scroll on your phone. So if you have to scroll, it's too long. So when you look at the three to five sentence structure, you got one sentence of personalization, one sentence challenge, one sentence, the value prop, and then you're going to have like one or two sentences for the call to action. So it sort of fits in that three to five sentences. A couple tools that you can use that are free and easy to use are Grammarly. So if you don't have Grammarly installed on your Google Chrome, you definitely need to do that. It's going to pick out all the punctuation errors and all that stuff. And it's going to recommend ways that you should word things to keep it more concise. And then HemingwayApp.com is another one. It's free. You can take your email sequence, copy it, paste it into there, and it'll tell you if a sentence is too hard to read. So it'll help you cut out all those filler words. Another thing that you can do too is, and this is a very simple tip that most people don't do for whatever reason, is read the email out loud. So if I was writing an email, Daryl, I would read it to you out loud. If it sounded weird saying it to you, and it wasn't how I would say it, and it wasn't as concise as I would say it to you like verbally, that's a really good way to spot how to not only make the email more conversational, but to make it shorter. All right, so bringing us home, it's the why. And the why is all about you. And I love conversations that are about me. So what is the why? How do I do that? Is, it, is that really your, your call to action at that point in time? And because you're saying this is how I can make your your life better? Or what is that? The why is really around the language in the email. So like when I have the results and the value prop, I've connected that with a challenge. I insert the personalization. This is short, concise, sweet. The other thing that I need to make sure is that the language is framed in terms of the prospect. So one of the just quick things that you can do is look at the ratio of times that you use you and your compared to I. And if you're using I more than you and your, There's too many eyes in there. So one of the things that you can do is 
instead of saying I was researching, like in the very beginning, like the personalization sentence, you could yep. say was researching. Yep. So and so researching, this, I found this. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. So you're it, not starting stuff that. out with why or with with uh, I. Excuse me. Yeah. And the other thing too is instead of saying I would like to hop on the phone with you or hey I'd love to meet with you I'd love to talk about how our product would ser- or service would help it's like hey we'd love to talk about how this could help you with your challenges would uh love to grab a time on your calendar for 15 minutes and share this idea with you right there's no I in there it's really about the language and I mean there's just so much psychology behind this just with marketing copy around if you put you and your into things it just feels like you're talking to the person instead of like at them. The only flaw I see in all this guidance is you clearly haven't seen my CEO's phone where it's a small screen with a size 96 font. So I don't think the email is going to fit on his screen. Just putting that out there. But beyond that, what I love about this, guys, is I mean, look at this framework, right? You're writing this. Have I done the R? Okay, next I have to do the E. Now I have to do the P. Now I have to do the L. Okay, now did I really em- embrace the Y? Did I get results, empathy, personalization, laser focus, and is it all about them or you? So R-E-P-L-Y, reply. That is a brilliant framework. Everybody can remember it. To recap what Jason's saying, three to five sentences long or less than 120 words. You're all groaning right now because you know that's going to be your that's going to be your biggest challenge in all of this is brevity. I get it. I hear you. Suck it up. You'll get better over time. Does it fit on your phone? I suggest you go buy a big-ass phone, the biggest screen you can find, smallest font. You'll be fine. It'll always fit there. I'm a big advocate of Grammarly. I use it nonstop everywhere, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere. It is awesome. I always forget my commas. So, Jason, I was thinking about this. It's so comma. I always forget that comma. Grammarly reminds me every time. I'm sure my score in Grammarly sucks because of that comma issue I have, but use Grammarly. Uh, HemingwayApp.com, I am not familiar with, and I thought I knew everything going on there. That is my takeaway from this podcast. I'm going there right now to check it out. I love that premise. The old trick of reading it out loud, brilliant. It's an old one, and it works for a reason. Finally, what's your ratio of you and your versus I? That is a brilliant thing to think about. That, my friends, is how you customize a message for results. I love this framework. Please, guys, go try it out, all right? A, B, test it. Do your old way, do the new way. It's going to feel awkward at first. It's going to get better over time. If you do this, guys like me, I'll answer you. Simple as that. With that, we're done. We're out of time. Jason. You are at blissfulprospecting.com, your your company. Is that is that correct? Did I get that right? Yep. All right. He's the chief revenue officer. He knows all about sales. You can find him on LinkedIn. Follow him there. In the meantime, Jason, anything else we should know about you? Do call to action. Now's your time. Tell us what we should know about you to make this worth your time to spend with us today. Definitely. We have a lot of content that we post on LinkedIn, and there's also free guides on our website. So if you're interested in just getting a feel like for free, how we work, how we do things, there's a guide on our site about video prospecting and how to send videos like what I sent to you, Daryl. There's also a guide on there where I break down a bunch of cold emails using the reply method. So definitely would check those out, blissfulprospecting.com. And then if you're a you know, rep looking for some one-on-one help or some help with your emails, you can hit us up and, and let us know and we'd be happy to talk to you as well. I see nothing but value there for you folks. You know what you should do? You should reply to Jason. That's what you should do and knock <laughs> his stocks off with how you embrace his message. But in the meantime, we're out of time. My name is Daryl Prell. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter as Opinionated, O-H-P-I-N. 
I-O-N, the number eight, T-E-D. I am with VanillaSoft, VanillaSoft.com, the industry's number one sales engagement platform. If you like today's show, please share it, like it, review it, do whatever you want to do. Just let the world know. I'd be, I'd be so grateful for that. But in the meantime, you guys have an awesome day. I shall see you again soon. Take care. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by VanillaSoft. VanillaSoft.